15 minutes or so to reflect with you together about what this strange story is about. Because this psalm is ultimately about Christmas. Uh, This chapter in the Bible was written by the then reigning king of Israel, a man named King David, somewhere around the year 1000 BC. Uh, If you're interested and would like to follow along in the chair underneath the seat in front of you is a Bible, and on page 314, you can find those words that Tad just read. So, page 314. Uh, It's a bizarre psalm, isn't it? It's really strange, really strange story. More is known about its author, King David, than any other leader in ancient history. Secular or sacred, we know more about David than we know about anybody else from this time frame. And yet the atrocitous nature of the suffering in the psalm don't don't describe anything like what we know of David's life. Anguishment, extreme despair, abandonment. It sounds like dinner with extended family at Christmas, doesn't it? No, seriously. Helplessness, emaciation, execution. That's what the piercing reference is. Even execution by crucifixion. What is this? Crucifixion wasn't even practiced in David's day. So what is this story about? David certainly faced some difficult things. He had to run from King Saul, his predecessor who wanted to kill him. Later in life, he had to run from his own son, Absalom, who also wanted to kill him. He went through many, many hardships. But there's absolutely nothing in David's story analogous to what's being recounted here. Whatever it's about, it can't be mainly about David's personal experience. But it is about someone's experience. Whoever it is about, if you were to follow along and read closely, what you'd see is in in verse 1, this man being talked about is forsaken. He's not just suffering, but he's alone in his suffering. Some of you have experienced that. The pain of being alone is often worse than the suffering itself. In verse 2, he's crying out to God, but he's getting no answer. In 6, 7, and 8, he's being publicly mocked and jeered. In 12 and 13, he's being surrounded and overtaken by people more powerful than him. In 15, he's dying of thirst. In 16, he's being publicly executed. In 17, he's so emaciated, you can count his bones. In 18, maybe one of the more odd statements, his clothes have been taken from him. He's dying in shame as they throw dice, if you will, for his possessions. This is truly an R-rated account of a horrible difficulty. David was the most powerful and well-loved king Israel ever had. All these years later, people are still talking about him. We know about his life from literally his childhood until he died. And yet nothing, absolutely nothing, in his story matches these words he wrote. Do you remember a few years ago when Saddam Hussein was captured? Yes, yes. Perhaps what you remember as you look back on that is, is how he died, that, that he was hung. But something happened in between the two that you may not remember 
he went to trial. Saddam Hussein was found in a hole. No one had any question about whether he was guilty. But for three years, there was a three-year period of time from his capture until his hanging. That's a long time. That would have been unthinkable in David's day. If you were a military leader and you were going to take over a land, then what did you do? You just simply went in and you killed the leader and took the throne for yourself. It happened in an instant. Not like Saddam Hussein. It took a lot longer. You see, in King David's day, you were simply overthrown and killed. One scholar, speaking of Psalm 22, put it like this. Not only did this not happen to David, but it couldn't have happened to David. This was completely outside the realm of their experience. Nothing like a capture and a trial and attorneys and a jury existed. David suffered, but he didn't suffer like this. But someone did. There was a suffering just like this. But it gets even more bizarre. As this psalm moves along, David says that this person was almost executed, publicly mocked, scorned by people, but then almost out of nowhere, it says that God delivered him. God rescued him when all hope seems to be lost. And through that deliverance, people from all over the world praise God. That's weird. There's a lot of weird stuff in the Bible, but this is perhaps one of the most strange things. No longer would just a small little band of weirdos in Israel praise God, but people from every people group on earth will praise God because he delivered this one in suffering, and through that deliverance, the many could be delivered. What is this about? Look again at verse 27. It says that very clearly that that's the result. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. What in the world is this bizarre story about? It's about Christmas, of course. A little over a thousand years after David wrote this, in a book of the New Testament called Acts, Peter says that David prophesied about Jesus. He says that, uh, to put it in, in other words, as David faced hardship and struggle, God used those little sufferings to point forward to an infinitely greater suffering. When David felt abandoned by God and reflected on that, he prophesied that someday someone would come who would face not just what felt like abandonment by God, but truly was. And when God delivered David from difficulty, David used those occasions as an occasion to announce that a much greater deliverance would come for Jesus. You see, David, a thousand years before it happened, wrote and said, this is what's gonna happen. This is what's gonna happen to Jesus. The reality of this church's existence and your presence here tonight and the fact that all over the globe, Christians are gathered 
Some of them in big groups and big buildings, some of them just a handful of people in homes. But they're gathering and they're singing songs, they're reflecting on these stories in their own cultural ways, indigenous to them. They're remembering the same story. How does that happen? Well, friends, the most logical explanation is that we are the demonstration that David and Peter got it right, that this actually happened, that it's not just a story. You see, Psalm 22 prefigured exactly what would happen to Jesus a thousand years before it happened in stunning specificity. If you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to take the one in your hands or in the chair in front of you and later tonight, read a chapter in the New Testament in Matthew, Matthew 27, where step-by-step connections are made between what happened historically to Jesus and what David wrote about so long before. The details of Jesus' rest and crucifixion are there. But I say all of that to say this. So what? Why does this matter? What difference does it make? Why all this suffering? Why did Jesus come? What difference will it make tonight as we leave in a few minutes and in just a few days, 2015 will end? Why does it matter? If you give me just a few more moments, I'd love to tell you. Psalm 22 is about Jesus substituting himself on a cross. The message of Christianity is that what we couldn't and wouldn't do, Jesus did for us. Martin Luther once said, we all carry about in our pockets his very nails. You see, Jesus died because God loves us, and until you and I get a sense of how great our sin is, we'll never really understand how great God's love is. Whether through the the prideful successes and self-efforts to follow all the rules and be thought of well by others, or through the absolute disregard of the rules and just doing whatever we want, we all are people, without exception, who have taken good things and turned them into ultimate things. The Bible calls that sin. We're all sinners. Therefore, we deserve to lie in the bed we've made, if you will. Our rejection of God sets us up for eternity without him. But God's love was too great, as many of you know, for him to simply leave humanity in its sin forever. Amen? So Jesus came. He came to live a perfect life of obedience that we should have lived, and then he died the awful death that we should have died. Why? So that the opportunity, and not even just the opportunity, but literally the way to be made right with God was offered up in the outstretched arms of Jesus. He cried out, not so much in the terrible physical pain he met, but in the aloneness, the alienation from the Father that he'd never known. Jesus became sin so that people could become right with God. The church teaches a lot of things. The Bible says a lot of things. But at the end of the day, that's the core message of Christianity. That's it. It all boils down to that. That's why Jesus came, and that's what Psalm 22 is all about. So that deliverance could be announced to the whole world. So that those who come to God for forgiveness 
can be welcomed into the very life of God. Wow. The greatest gift, friend, you could ever get this Christmas is the gift of Jesus' suffering and his deliverance being given to you. I wonder today if that's not a message you've ever received and if you believe what I've said, not because I've said it, but because the scriptures say it. I wonder if you'd take that gift because God is offering it to you tonight. Will you pray with me? Father, this is indeed a bizarre psalm, so different from the way we talk and our own individual experiences. And yet, it is an incredibly powerful demonstration that your word is more than simply just another book. It is a precise, exact, trustworthy, historical, life-changing record of who you are and what you've done. God, I'm aware that many people in this room have already received that gift of salvation, of deliverance from you. Not because they're in this room often or they give money or they obey you better than anybody else, but simply because they've heard the gospel and they believe it's true and they've responded to your love. I pray that tonight they would be encouraged in your great love for them. And I pray for those here tonight who are still wrestling to understand who Jesus is. God, may they have the courage to ask somebody around them before they leave tonight. Tell me more. We thank you that Christmas is true. Jesus came and died and rose again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.